Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Used an air fryer today? What do you mean you use? That's just an oven. It's just a small oven. Yeah, that's it. It's just well, convection. What actually is an air? What, what actually it's is an, an oven? Air fryer? I don't, it's I, just I, convection I, heat. Yeah. What? I mean, it, it's just it, slightly easier to clean than an oven, right? Because you can pull it, out the tray. It was. It was like fifteen minutes to really crisp up my crispy chicken. Whereas that Wait, wouldn't happen uh, in an oven. What from raw? Yeah. Well, covered in corn flour and 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 that's quite salt good. I mean, that's good. But, but, but an air fryer is just a small oven. Yeah. yeah. Why is it called an air fryer? Where's the fry coming into? It's the frying it with the air, like an oven does. Mm. An oven. So <laughs> can I start Shit. calling my can I start calling my oven my extra large air fryer? Hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety. And we're doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us. During season four, which is called Is It Rad In Yo Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, is it rad in your head? And to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm a pretentious music fan. Uh, I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music with me, as always, is someone who has said that they do not care about art. 
or critique does not often relate personally to music, but does love the sounds landing nicely on his face. It's Lucas Way. We've changed the order like permanently now. Yeah, because you you now do me second permanently because there's you know we are at opposite ends of uh, I don't want to use the word Lucas. I'm really sorry, but spectrum. Uh, and then of course <laughs> in the middle of that we have someone who can appreciate context, art, and subject matter, but at the same time will love some music for the indescribable reasons we are all subject to. He's just normal. He's just Steve Murphy. I'm here. I have value to give somewhere sometimes. (laughs) Hey, man. We're on our quest to answer the question, what is music? I think music is a never-ending series of trials. What do you Mm. guys think music is? Mm, Ear caramel. Mm, Mm. Lucas? Nose. Fudge. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, one yeah. of the ways we're answering the question, what is music, is by going through the entire discography of one artist at a time. At the moment, we're going through the entire discography of Oxford's answer to the question, buy one, get one free, Radiohead. Over the last few what? weeks, we've talked about their debut album, Pablo Honey, their various tours, their specific show at the Astoria in London, and of course, their incendiary performance on MTV's Beach House in 1993. <laughs> oh, God, don't ever speak to me. <laughs> This week, we're diving CPR dummy head first into Radiohead's second album, The <laughs> Bends. But before we do that, we need to catch up with the band themselves. Who better to catch us up than our resident historian, bearer of the torch, eye of the oracle, uh, Lucas? Where did we leave Radiohead? We done. What Muse? What mu- not Muse. Bad start. They're not called Muse. <laughs> Fucking hell. Rad- Radiohead. Mm. Are a group of men. We yeah. don't need to start. Thom- we don't need to start right at the beginning. I'm just like, where did we leave them? Thom your what happened last. Uh, they he jumped into a he jumped into a. <laughs> to uh, be fair, a pool of water and nearly <laughs> That's died. The last thing we saw. They released. They released Pablo Honey. Great. It was. Uh, it wasn't great. Okay. I mean, you, okay. you thought it was bad. It was okay to bad, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, but it was fine. They did that. They they probably toured. They did a song, like a really bad song as a standalone mm. single. Mm. They performed it on a TV show. It was also really bad. Uh, <laughs> so far. Uh, there's some little nuggets in there which might or yeah. might not be true. It seems like he's picking out the negative bits. <laughs> uh, you're forgetting one incredibly important thing. One, obviously, the story show we watched. But two, Ed's shirt. Mm, yes. Ed's mm. shirt, indeed. Yes. Well, yeah, you're right, Lucas. They, they released Pablo Honey towards the beginning of 1993, and then toured it for the entirety of that year. They, that year, which was very trying for the band. Promotion for that album, including singles, basically stopped by the time 1994 rolled around. And indeed, if you remember, they started working with producer John Leckie in February 1994. Do you remember that? That's where we got to. Yeah. so let's talk about john leckie because uh john leckie produced the album that we're going to talk about today the bends um at this point he is known as a legendary part of abbey road studios uh, as a recording uh, engineer and mixer and he started as a tape operator working on things like all things must pass by george harrison who plastic ono band by john lennon and yoko ono who who uh, and some stuff for Paul McCartney as well. 
Who? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also some stuff for, for Pink Floyd. And he goes on to engineer with a bunch of artists. Uh, he engineered Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Uh, when he moves into producing, he produces albums for XTC, Magazine, uh, Simple Minds, Public Image Limited, The Skids, all those late 70s post-punk oh, new the wave. The Skid, I love The Skid, goodness, man. kind of bands. It's The Skids. Love The Skid. <laughs> then he works extensively with The Fall. Um, wow. And the Stone Roses, as well as the Verve in the very early 90s. And obviously we've met John Leckie before on this podcast. Uh, Radiohead were like after John Leckie in the same way that Muse were kind of after John Leckie. Uh, Radiohead were after him because of The Fall and Magazine, I think. That sort of post-punk, dynamic, messy but focused uh, kind of sound, right? Last week we covered uh, the officially released show at the Astoria that took place in May 1994 and it featured like seven tracks from the Benz and another one that was in contention. On that 1994 tour they played all the songs from the Benz at one point or another. Very much an album that was written across the entirety of that year and then rehearsed on stage. Um, I think they just sort of clearly wanted to move on from Pablo Honey, get to work on new stuff, especially because... Like I said, like while all those 1994 shows are taking place, they're rehearsing and recording the bends in fits and starts. And it actually starts a little bit earlier than you would necessarily uh, expect in order to keep all of the relevant context in little parcels that relate to the album that we're covering. There's a little bit of like jumping around. Yeah. So shortly after the sessions for Pablo Honey had finished <laughs> in like 1992, right. um, Tom played the Pablo Honey producer, Paul Codery, a tape of a handful of demos that was called The Benz, but it was spelled B-E-N-Z. Uh, and Oh, what a bellend. <laughs> <laughs> Bellends. Good. No, that's better. Yeah. Uh, Codery uh, recalls this by saying, we'd been struggling for material in the studio during Pablo Honey, so I was a little shocked when suddenly he pops out a bunch of songs that were all better than anything <laughs> on Pablo Honey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I think this also speaks to like at least Tom's knowledge that the songs were just sort of incompatible or worth waiting on, or that it was just like a whole separate kind of thing. Um, proper work begins in February 1994 at Rack Studios in St John's Wood with John Leckie recalling that Tom would come in every morning, he would make tea, and then sit at the piano and write for four hours every morning, just new songs constantly, uh, and then they would be worked on by the whole band taken out on the road and they'd use sound checks to rehearse them sometimes and that kind of thing. Uh, the studio experience for this album, difficult. Oh, really? <laughs> let's, let's go with In what difficult. Way? Uh, the, studio, the studio burnt down. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> there was huge pressure uh, in the studio because Creep was now getting less airplay and the label were kind of scared that they were going to lose the momentum that they had and so they were sort of applying pressure that they had to write the next Creep oh. uh, which is an insane ask from what we know about Creep because the creation of Creep was seemed to be mostly by accident <laughs> yeah and as we all know Radiohead never wrote any hits ever again yeah, uh, nothing exactly. was popular after Creep <laughs> <laughs> the lab the label like need them to go out and write another generation defining universally relatable hit single and then an album around it yeah. i reckon go on yeah. guys so they gave chop, chop. them emi gave them 9 weeks 
to record and finish the album because they wanted to capitalise on the momentum and release it in October of 1994, okay? Now, spoiler alert, the recording doesn't end up finishing until November 1994, so they missed that that deadline, basically. Ah, you spoiled it. Tom describes those initial nine-week sessions uh, to be like, quote, a total fucking meltdown for two fucking months. Um... By the time the end of Language. the nine weeks rolls around, John Leckie says that the album was actually closer to being scrapped altogether uh, than it was to being finished. Uh, Johnny spent like days on his own testing weird new guitar equipment and different ways to play guitar and searching for a completely unique and distinctive sound, but he ended up just using a Telecaster. Oh, I fucking love Johnny Greenwood. I Okay, yeah, here's my crush. He's a little nerd. He's such a little nerd. But Um, Eddie's handsome. Yeah, that's the thing. But also, Tom is like, I I find Tom to be a very very spiritually uh, attractive person, you know? Um, Uh, And Colin's there. Yeah, also Colin and Phil are in the back. He's like Steve. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Steve is the rhythm section of this podcast. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see it, yeah. What am I? What am I? Um, You're like... Yeah, well, um, yeah uh, okay yeah, yeah the front huh? yeah the front man yeah, yeah front okay man. we're like yeah, dual yeah. front men right me and adam we're like mm, we're like yeah. chester bennington and mike shinoda i don't know who those people are and i'm gonna take a guess that it's not limp biscuit because that's fred durst and it's not yeah. blink 182 because i know that that is is it linkin park it is okay park. good well done. Yeah. i thought it was gonna be either them or slipknot Mm. Um, they've only got one. They've only got one front man. Why they've, got, just got, they've just got. Thir- they've got thirteen yeah, drummers. Say, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. A lot of focus in the studio was paid to the three songs that were identified to be the singles, which were "The Bends," "Nice Dream," and "Just." Uh, and they kind of hated the idea because it meant that the focus shifted on how to get a hit single rather than focus on the creativity that they liked to kind of foster in the studio. Their manager, Chris Hufford, nearly quit because of Tom's mistrust of everyone everyone around him. Um, Johnny said it was a very silent, cold process with nobody talking to each other. Ed said uh, that he had entered this huge, energy-sucking black hole. At one point, everyone was trying to find their get-out clauses. Uh, Tom and Johnny hated High and Dry. They called it fucking awful. Planet Telex was completed with Tom hunched over on the floor, completely out of his mind, drunk. Uh, they couldn't get fake plastic trees at all until until John Leckie said, you know what, why don't we go out? Uh, and they all went to go see Jeff Buckley play at a venue called The Garage. And Colin said he just had a Telecaster and a pint of Guinness, and it was fucking amazing, really inspirational. Um Tom, like throughout these sessions, had also been really struggling with his voice, how it sounded, how he thought it should sound, what would be considered masculine and feminine in a pop singer's voice. And he said that seeing that Jeff Buckley show gave him the confidence to really use that falsetto that he has and to allow his voice to kind of be beautiful. Straight after the Jeff Buckley show, Tom went into the studio, did three takes of fake plastic trees on his own, and after the third one, he burst into tears. Uh, and Jeez. that is the one that they used. So the studio experience is just like really fraught with tension to the point where Tom is bursting into tears after getting songs right. Um, they basically couldn't handle the pressure 
and abandoned the album after nine weeks. They kind of put it on ice at the beginning of May so that they could go on tour in Europe, Japan, Australasia, uh, which we kind of talked about on our last episode. It is, by all accounts, a difficult time to be a member of Radiohead. <laughs> Sounds it. A lot of crying. Yeah, a lot of crying. The, the tour kind of refocused them and improved their relationships a little bit, and they talked about making the album that they wanted, not the album that the studio wanted to sell units of product. Um, so when they get back in July 1994, they did another two weeks of recording at the Manor Studio in Oxfordshire and basically finished the bulk of the album, including bones sulk was mostly finished then the bends was finished then and then they went on tour again leaving a few things to tidy up just like some overdubs to do on september the 26th 1994 the label released the my iron lung ep in the uk and europe and i say that the label released it because yeah. usually we would say like oh manic street preachers released this ep or muse released this ep yeah uh, but the distinction here is important and a lot of the time the bands and and the record label they're kind of at odds, especially during this period. It's kind of unclear if Radiohead really wanted to put out an EP or if the label just wanted to release something while they were waiting on this like hugely delayed second album. So I came across this when I was looking at the lyrics and uh, looking at the lyrics to My, my Iron Lung. You, we did the and same thing. You scrolled down on Genius lyrics and where you yeah. go to choose the next song in the album. And it took me to that. The and then... And then I didn't want to, I immediately quit out because I didn't want to see any spoilers. But like, spoilers! Yeah, spoilers! <laughs> uh, so, what else is on that EP? Like, is it songs that we haven't heard? So, they kind of knew, they knew what the Benz was going to be. They knew what was going to go on the album. So, the EP is the song My Iron Lung, um, six cool. tracks that were off cuts from the Benz sessions, and an acoustic version of Creep at the end. Um, some of those songs were earmarked early on as like B-sides and what some producers would do back in the day is like let their budding engineers kind of cut their teeth producing songs like in order to hone their producing skills they'd produce sure. like the B-sides and songs like that so John Le- they knew for a fact would definitely end up being a B-side right exactly so John Leckie gave a few tracks like that to his studio engineer Nigel Godrich uh, for the EP, Nigel produced Permanent Daylight, and then another one of his productions actually ended up on the bends. Um, the artwork style is also worked on alongside the album. I know we we picked up on that like a few episodes ago. So the artwork for the EP is kind of in keeping with the album artwork, and Tom had the idea to call up his old university friend, Stanley Donwood, to do the artwork, which means that this EP, the My Iron Lung EP, or even though we're not covering full, it's worth mentioning because it means it's the first time that they work with both Nigel Godrich and Stanley Donwood, who have worked on every single thing that Radiohead have released from this moment on. Wow. Mm. Commitment. When we say Radiohead, I presume we just mean Radiohead, not all of the various side solo. Anything that involves Tom York is produced by Nigel Godrich and has artwork done by Stanley Donwood. Wowzers. Yeah, so that includes all of his solo albums. Um, Ed's doesn't, uh, some of the, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it in about a year's time, guys. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Was there a super group that Tom was in? So you're thinking of Atoms for Peace that he was in with Flea. No, you're uh, thinking of Oh, sorry. Yes. It was the Mm. members of McFly, Mm -hmm. some of the members of Busted and Mm. Tom York 
And Tom yeah. York? from Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there they're going, it's what I go for school for. And he's just in the background going, ah. <laughs> like, yeah. The T in Busted, McBusted, is for Tom York. Right. That's why there's a small H after it. McBusted. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that EP comes out in September 1994. Any guesses on chart performance in these nascent days of the Radiohead aesthetic? 47. I'm going to say not much at 64. 24. I said 24. I meant 24. no airplay from Radio 1, it kind of exceeded both the critical and commercial expectations of the label, which at the time kind of implied that they were not uh, one-hit wonders just based on creep and that they had gathered on some level a loyal fan base. People um, were hungry for the head. They're hungry for the head. That was yeah. what the big uh, advert said. Are you hungry for head? And it had yeah. like a little apostrophe in front of the H. And it had a picture yes. of Tom York's face. Yeah. yeah. And everyone and said, like... not really. <laughs> <laughs> My Iron Lung's relationship to Creep goes like way uh, deeper than that, but we will cover that in our track-by-track track section. I will say about the EP, it's definitely a precursor to the Benz and a band in a different mode to Pablo Honey. It's worth seeking out if you are that way inclined. There's some really good songs on it. Although I imagine a few of them will pop up on our B-Sides episodes in five years' time. (laughs) Uh, It's getting longer. I'm just adding episodes in my head as you guys yeah, ask yeah, questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're still not willing to trim down those 12 episodes on In Rainbows? I will not budge on the 14 episode in rainbows extravaganza <laughs> the in rainbows year yeah the, in, yeah the year of in rainbows yeah um in october they do a little mini tour of mexico and have a classic Radiohead bad time uh, oh. on one oh, night no. in particular everything comes to a head a couple of years of basically not talking to each other and everything being very cold and difficult ends up in a huge five-way orgy argument oh. between the band members. Right. Wait, how have they not spoken in two years? If they they're just minimal doing... communication. They're just livid with each other. They just hate being in a band. They hate recording. They hate going on tour. It's Radiohead. Yeah, but <laughs> if they were doing the recording, they must have communicated to do that stuff. No, you just go in, do your bit, fuck off. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean like they don't talk about anything other than music they are no yeah, longer yeah, yeah. what you would deem friends anyway of yeah. that night Tom York says years of tension and not saying anything to each other and basically all the things that have built up since we'd met each other all came out in one day we were spitting and fighting and crying and saying all the things that you don't want to talk about it completely changed and we went back and did the album and it all made sense and that's in uh like november 1994 when they go back to the album they finished the album at abbey road studios who uh it's estimated (laughs) it's estimated that the album took in total four months to record um now i should point out now lucas you remember when you were talking about like in terms of album cycles and when bands go on tour and the order they do tours in and how that relates to the release of the album you're like measure of that is muse right this is how muse do it and so that's how i see it being done right the way that radiohead do things is how i see things being done so when dave erringer comes on and goes yeah we recorded this in six weeks i'm like what the fuck are you talking about because albums should take like a year shouldn't they and it should be like a really difficult process where everyone hates each other. Yeah. But apparently not. 
Six weeks does seem short, though, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not. If only he were a professional and knew exactly what he was talking about. And knows a lot <laughs> yeah. more about this than you but and I. But EMI gave Radiohead nine weeks for this album. So obviously they were thinking like, you know, oh yeah, they'll bash out another album in nine weeks. And it took like four months over the course of a year, uh, which is crazy. Um, also in that November of 1994, um, the US record label Capital releases My Iron Lung as a single, but absolutely doesn't promote it at all. It has no faith in it and it doesn't get anywhere on the charts. Uh, and they just do classic young band shit. Like, they continue to tour Europe and the UK into 1995. On February 27th, 1995, they release High and Dry and Planet Telex as a double A-side, um, which is kind of... I would see it, like, even though they released My Iron Lung first, this is mm. still kind of the first single for the album, I guess? Yeah. Because My Iron Lung kind of wasn't attached to the to the album cycle. And any was, guesses um, on where High and Dry and Planet Telex chart? Before that, was the was my iron, my iron lung? I can't say it. Uh, that was on the EP. Is it exactly the same one yeah. that's on the album? Is it because it you want to say? From... Is it because you want to say my iron lung? My iron lung. Yeah, which is what did, I'm going to say from now on. It feels way more natural to just say yeah. my iron lung. My my iron. My iron lung. My iron lung. Um, <laughs> I just wondered if it was maybe just because it was early on, it was just the recording from the Astoria show, which you told us about, which they obviously just changed the vocals and some bits to, mm-hmm. where it was the fully formed Mayan lung. They're the same. Cool. Thank you. The one on the album is the one from, from the Astoria. With extra bits. No, just Different Tom's vocal vocals. Tone. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Planet Telex, double A side. With, with High and Dry. High and Dry. Obviously, where did it come? High and Dry is kind of... The, it's a double A side, but really, come but on, High and Dry is the single, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. isn't it? What comes yeah. first on the High and Dry? High and Dry slash Planet Telex. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, if you were to say an album charts high, does and that dry? mean it charts good or bad? Oh, mm. uh, oh I and see. It's you good mean to like get a high into number. Philosophical questions. Well, no, because it charts as a high number. Does that mean high means like yeah, high, the top is one? High, high means yeah, like, top the is, highest top is, is one. one. Yeah, so high. So charting high is doing well. Yeah. But charting dry is doing bad. In which case, I think it charted low. So the charts are high and dry, is what we're... Yeah. What we're I think it charted dry. I think it charted high. Okay. Who's right? 72. All right, Steve, give me a number. Five. Okay. I, I mean, Steve is closest. It charted number 17 mm. uh, on the 27th of February, 1995. That, that's more high than dry. Mm, it is higher than it is drier. Notes. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of weeks later... On March the 13th, 1995, The Benz is released. Uh, it's 12 tracks and 49 minutes long. Nothing. Do you want anything to say? Nah, nah. Okay, cool. Okay. Produced by John Leckie, Radiohead, Nigel Godrich. Oh, it's too long. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Nigel Godrich does one track. Jim Warren does one track. It's mixed... By Sean Slade and Paul Coldry. Originally, John Leckie was scheduled to mix the album, but the band and the label felt that he was taking too long. So Ed, from the band, got in contact yeah. with Slade and Coldry, a completely kind of like back-channel kind of thing, and, they, and was just like, you know, we love John Leckie, but he's taking forever to mix our album. Could we send you a few songs just to kind of see what you would do with them. Uh, and they liked the results, and so they sent a few more, and eventually the full album is presented to the record label, 
with only three of John Leckie's mixes on it for the Benz High and Dry and Street Spirit. But he didn't tell John Leckie that. Okay. They just requested all of the multi tracks from him, like, and he, and then when he was like, "What are they for?" They were like, "Oh no, I just I don't know. Don't, oh, don't worry huh? about it." I, so <laughs> back up, just, mate. Back up. It's yeah, got to be redundant. Like, yeah. Care of redundancy. I would like them for my own personal archive, <laughs> <laughs> um, which John John Necky talks about it. He said um, he thinks that the final mixes are a bit brash. Uh, and, and says, quote, I went through a bit of trauma at the time, but maybe they chose the best thing. It was just unfortunate that they didn't tell me. Um, mm, yeah, Oof. awkward. Awkward. Yeah. Maybe that's why he didn't uh, work with them again. Uh, mastered, mm. well, actually, he doesn't work with them again for a number of reasons. Uh, mastered by Chris Brown. Uh, artwork by Stanley Donward and The White Chocolate Farm. Who is okay. that? Sounds like a band name. Who's the White Chocolate Farm, guys? <laughs> Stanley Donwood and the White Chocolate who is, Farm. Who is the White Chocolate? Who do you think the White Chocolate Farm is, Steve? Is it some uh, sort of medical organization? That's where they got the resuscitation. Lucas, what do you think? What do you think? Who's the White? Why would they credit artwork to White Chocolate Farm, Lucas? I think it's a soda brand. It's Tom York. It's just Tom York. Uh, for the oh. artwork, they hired a cassette camera and filmed like little vignettes of modern life and technology and people walking around in suits and road signs and medical equipment. And they wanted to film an actual iron lung, uh, but Stanley said that it wasn't very interesting to look at. So they did film something that was just hanging around, which was a CPR mannequin. Um, Dunwood described it as having... A facial expression like that of an android discovering for the first time the sensations of ecstasy and agony simultaneously. It's um, it's Rasasiani. Have you done? You you must have done CPR training. Yep. So that face is the same face on every resuscitation doll. It is a. Why death, is it called Annie? It is a. I, it's just the nickname for it. It's a death mask of a real person mm. that they use on every resuscitation doll so that funny scene in the office where dwight cuts the face off and that's rasasiani it's the same face Rissassi. that's terrifying annie the most kissed face of all time well it's not kissing is it and no it depends me. how you do it do you not put tongue in when you're trying to resuscitate her <laughs> and also no because me the most kissed face of all time is actually me that's yeah, true because yeah. you're a slag <laughs> rasasiani think- is a slag I think that's a great summation of the album, though. Like uh, technology, kind of discovering med- yeah. discovering the sensations of ecstasy and agony simultaneously. Yeah, actually, that is a very good yeah. sum up. Um, <laughs> I've got a very bad version of that in my general thoughts. <laughs> the way they actually got the picture, though, was they then played that cassette footage on a TV, like an old CRT, and took pictures of the screen to create the artwork, which is why it does look like removed and like there's a barrier and like it's you're seeing it through some kind of technology or, or screen or something right it's like it's found not, footage kind of it's, it's a bit creepy it's clearly yeah. not just a photo of a mannequin it's yeah, there's yeah. something yeah odd going on um i don't like it it's very well you don't like it because it's scary or you don't like it because you just don't like it Yes. Okay. I had never it's it's so iconic. Like I'd never looked at it properly before and yeah. even thought that it wasn't anything but a real person because I'd never really actually looked at it. Yeah. Because like it's one of those albums you'd always see as top albums of all time and it'd be there. Mm-hmm. Or you'd see everywhere in H M V, you know, um in the R section, uh, for Radiohead. The Rends. 
Yeah, <laughs> I've just searched the bends because I wanted to look at the the. And the you got the medical thing. Yeah, you found a lot. And I just there's a thing called skin bends, which is like it's the bends, but it's a bit where it affects your skin and it looks oh, horrible. Wow. Okay. So I'd never really properly looked at it before, and uh, I'm glad I did because cool. It's it's creepy and it's cool and it and it does kind of yeah. uh, suit the album. It's quite a stark um, sort of sort of image it, th- this album is very much the beginning of the radiohead aesthetic both musically lyrically and like their artwork and the way that they print their lyrics and, and stuff like that um yeah. i think when talking about this album especially in the way that we kind of do this podcast uh it's really difficult not to talk about it in relation to pablo honey yeah just because it's such like a step up <laughs> and yeah. it's like such a different tone and it's a bit of like a, a leap forward, right? Oh, is it a leap forward? Uh, what the best? It's going to scroll down from Pablo Honey to my score. I, I yeah. don't think it does depend what you think of it in terms of your opinion um, because I think it's fairly evident on the face of it that the songwriting is just better. Like the songwriting is just far more nuanced on this, and the lyrics are uh, far and away more interesting. The what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. They really are. It's uh, it's trimmed some fat. It's letting the songwriting just, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, man. It's just letting the songwriting just. It's exactly what I thought. Just uh, well, going back to in relation to um, Pablo Honey. Like, it's an album, like Pablo Honey, it's an album that doesn't shy away from its influences, but also it it isn't relying on them as heavily as Pablo Honey did. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> but, like, you um, can hear the I REM, you can hear the Nirvana. so, yeah. But, but also, like, you can also hear how this album was clearly so insanely influential itself, because I can hear... Other bands and loads of other bands in this album, yeah. but they they haven't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Does that make, it's really does that make sense? mad. Yeah, you've talked about the bends in the past, Adam, and I don't remember when. But you you you're probably going to have this in your notes. But uh, lean is a word you might have used for these songs until I started listening to it. That I was like, that is that's what I sort of mean by that trimming the fatness of it all. It which is, is which is is sort of. Um... Uh, it's a bit of like a huge uh, contradiction uh, on, on this album because a lot of the songs, like so, like we talked a lot on the Pablo Honey about the loud, quiet, loud dynamic, and that is still present, but I think it's much more successful here um, because before on Pablo Honey, the loud was loud because that was the loud bit, that was the bit they wanted to be loud, but here it feels yeah. like I, I feel like it's earned a little bit more, and before the dynamic was the loud bits was just all of the guitars all the time doing the same thing all the time all of the guitars that kind of like wall of sound thing mm. and on the bends you get three very distinct guitar players with like Tom on rhythm Johnny on lead and Ed doing all these really weird like great textural things and all of the parts weave in and out of each other so the loud parts aren't just loud they're complex so the dynamic isn't actually so much loud, quiet, loud. It's kind of complex, simple, complex. And when I say complex, some of these songs are so complex, man. There's some songs where you get a verse and then a cool variation on a verse and then a chorus, then you get a middle eight, then you get something else entirely, then you get a whole other outro. 
and some of these songs are so like they're stuffed with like parts and riffs and sections but when you say they're lean they are all entirely accessible pop songs at the same time there are no like like seven or eight minute extended prog songs there's 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 ones that are less accessible. I think there's some. They're definitely less like yeah. I, I can I know what you mean. Yeah, some that you probably wouldn't put on the radio. Yeah, there's none that are seven minutes long. But what I mean by lean is they just absolutely don't outstay their welcome. I have no idea how long any of these songs are. I didn't realize the album was forty five minutes because it just flows wonderfully. And I think that the lean really kind of shows in the songwriting is that you're not going oh that's another chorus. Yeah. They don't have the one last chorus syndrome that we talked to last month about in the Ultra Vivid Lament. How it, for the manic a, seat, a, a, yeah. a lot of times they replace the last chorus with something you haven't heard yet, and and yeah. so even even when you're at the end of the song, you're like, oh, there's something new and kind of exciting for me to to hear in this song, you know. Hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of the, I think the leanness also comes down to something Ed uh, was saying when he was being like interviewed, which is like they learned to just play less. Like, if something sounded good and it was just acoustic bass and drums, there was no point in him and Johnny going in there to, like, fuck it up with extra guitars. Don't keep adding. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Let the um, song just kind of work itself, I guess. I wonder if there's some other bands that we've covered that, like, kind of do the opposite. <laughs> more is more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should imagine how much more more could be. <laughs> Sean Moore. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tom's voice is front and centre. So good work, John Leckie, on getting that out of him and not like underproducing those vocals in the same way that we saw in Pablo Honey. And I don't know, there just seems to be like a much more vast range of different sounds and tones on this album, right? Than than we had previously heard from them. Really is. I find this to be far darker than Pablo Honey. And we will compare because these are the in the canon. Mm-hmm. This is the second album, Radiohead album we've ever heard. Um, we do I find like it to put be... each album into a canon and then blast it through our critical analysis until it lands mm. safely in the net <laughs> yes. of our scores. Oh, God. <laughs> my uh, my yeah. scores are not safe. There is no net. <laughs> there is no... It's nothing it's safe. Sh- it's a shallow pool. <laughs> nothing safe around Lucas. I can't put my finger on why, but I do find this album a little scary. I'll go into really? certain songs it's, later. It, it, it's, it's the album artwork. <laughs> uh, no, but like certain songs later, but the, there's very vivid imagery. A couple of songs conjure up, plus music videos I associate with some of the songs will, sure. will make the album a little sinister. But at the same time, it also does rock. And I'm doing like two devil yeah. horns. And yeah, yeah, when yeah. I said rock, because it does rock, doesn't it? It's got some it, guitars. It on does it. rock, but then also it make nice as well. Mm, you know, like. It's, 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 it make nice and rock. In in terms of what what this album sounds like, it is again sort of like quite contradictory because it's loud and it's quiet, and it's big, but it's also quite introverted, and and that thing that we said above of being quite complex but also simple, and it's maybe the heaviest thing that they've done in their entire catalogue in places, but there's also some really beautiful moments uh but it's also like it has all those various things and it's also hugely coherent yeah you mean it's not like it it doesn't feel all over the place considering how much it's stuffed with it's not know your enemy it's not the first half of know your enemy you know what i mean isn't it it's not the second law 
like albums that are just like all over the place. And I was going to say, I, I've not necessarily remarked on in my notes or anything that this album is like massively varied. I would say I, I, I didn't necessarily pick up on that. It's it's not just guitar rock, at least yeah. like mm. like the last one, but I wouldn't say it's like super all over the place in terms of well, not that, all that's place, that's exactly that, what that's I'm saying. Like it's, I'm saying it's, but I, mean, I I even wouldn't even remark. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is, is, is it's not the genre hopping of Second Law. It's not the genre hopping of Know Your Enemy. But it is varied enough that each song kind of keeps my interest. You've got the soft stuff. You've yeah, got the hard there's... stuff. You've got the complex stuff. You've got the simple stuff, you know. To, 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 without getting into it too much, there's very little on this album that's like, I trim it, get rid. Yeah, it's very exactly. like, it's all very, there's obviously highlights and lowlights, but on the whole, it's like very, it's all very listenable. It's all very like. Mm-hmm. Lean. The Benz, all very listenable. <laughs> Put that on the poster. <laughs> Lucas Way. <laughs> what, uh, what did you guys, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I might be asking this question to one person more than the other at this point, you know, in, in, in season four, year three of our podcast. What are the themes of this album as they occur oh, to you? man. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was I'll asking straight what. to Lucas. Straight <laughs> the in. The themes are feeling weird. <laughs> But yes, yes, they absolutely yeah. are. Yeah, feeling weird, and I'm feeling, and people being made of rubber. Mm, yeah, yes, and those are the themes according to yeah. Lucas Way. Well, yeah. I think you know. Uh, I mean, my answer. I don't want to give my answer based on like you know clicking on the odd thing on Genius lyrics, sure, uh, because that's cheating. But I did. Uh, there appears to be some stuff that's about sort of fame and 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 feeling detached from. People okay. and yeah, stuff, I but I wouldn't necessarily picked up on that. Detached is a huge buzzword for this album, like and alienation, yeah. and isolation, and despair. Um, all the classic Radiohead themes. Um, mm. But there's also like I, I feel this great yearning behind the album to kind of of wanting to engage with the world, you know. Um, if, not it, not the opposite, which is just, I just want to crawl into my goblin yeah, hole. Yeah, exactly. It feels like that the whole album, right, It kind of, I, I feel like it kind of has like this omniscient narr- narrator. It feels like narrator. someone... Did I say that weird? Should I, should I retake you said it? Narrator. Try it do, do another one, yeah. I feel like this whole album has like this omniscient narrator, and it feels <laughs> like someone who's looking into society without really being a part of it. And and I can touch on those as we as we go into like the individual songs. There's also a lot of like, I mean, Steve, Steve, what did you pick up on before I maybe ruined the whole lot for it? Well, I, I thought I had a really good take about one of the songs, and I think that that's going to be completely like. <laughs> oh, good. well, yes, get Steve, it out. Still, of course, still, 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 still tell it. us it because yeah. I I want to uh, laugh at you. Well, <laughs> specifically, one of the songs, it's the Benz, right? Deals. Very much with uh, coming off the back of the beds. Just very much with the medical condition, the beds. <laughs> Quote unquote, a one hit wonder from Creep and mm-hmm. dealing with the fame of that and how utterly out of their depth they are. Oh, yeah, completely, completely, completely. And the yeah. paranoia that's associated with that. But we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, I also found that there's a lot of like technology and sickness on this mm-hmm. record. 
which means that it's not difficult to kind of conflate the two things, sickness as a result of technology, technology leading to sickness, communication, radio waves, the 90s. I think it's all kind of in there, right? Oh, I wish it was the 60s. They're such a muse ripoff, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, they really are, yeah. Such a muse (sighs) ripoff, especially on this album. Um, I just want to pop this album into temporal context. Uh, The previous year... 1994 saw the release of both Park Life by Blur and definitely maybe by Oasis. We are in the time of Britpop, uh, the time of the lads, the Mm -hmm. oi, oi, oi. The time of the lads. Uh, It's a huge cultural moment for drinkers of carling. (laughs) Wearers of Parkers. Yes, exactly. Uh, Also... Kurt Cobain dies during the time that the record is made. 1995 sees huge albums for like Black Grape, Morrissey, the first album by Foo Fighters, the weirder 90s alternative creeping in with like Portishead and Goldie, the Chemical Brothers and Therapy. But also 1995, the same year that the Benz is released, is the year that The Great Escape by Blur, What's the Story, Morning Glory by Oasis and Different Class by Pulp are all released like just the absolute pinnacle of the Britpop era well i was also going to say no matter what you think of those bands what a fucking time for music in the for UK. british music yeah depending on your opinion of Britpop, i suppose like we were like the most influential portion of the world for music at this point i think yeah where um just to go back to our, our favorite boys where are manix at this point oh yeah 1995, um, Richie, uh, one month before this album comes out, Richie disappears. So they are they are post uh, Gold Against the Soul. Post no post the Holy, Holy Bible. Bible. Yeah. Pre everything must go. Yes, that's right. Here we go. Uh, it's also the beginning of the Beatles anthology releases, <laughs> which okay. sa- seems like a weird thing to bring up, but it's the beginning of their reassessment as the legends that we know them as today. Because during the 70s and 80s, Beatles not held in a hugely high regard. They were kind of like, they were the old guard in a way. And we, we see the beginning of people kind of looking back to the 60s uh, just as a new Summer of Love emerges in, in the face of Britpop. It's, it's a huge moment in British music, and Radiohead both kind of avoid and get swept up in it. They have a difficult relationship with Britpop, I think. And Britain is on the verge of changing in general, with new labour rising and the millennium approaching and this sense of great change that people are somewhat wary of and there's a slight darkness, an omnipresent doom and it's kind of all in the air. I love doom in the air. Well, in that case, if you love doom in the air, Steve, Mm, should we start the album? Hey man, let's do it. i 
Imagine you've written a song, mm. and you All right, you've done. written that song. You take that song to your bandmates. You say, "Hey guys, I've just written a song, but <laughs> that song is Planet Fucking Telex." Imagine. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Imagine I've just done a song and it happens to be it's this fucking, song. It's fucking Planet Planet Telex. Like, yeah, 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 Planet yeah, Telex, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd be oh. pretty happy with yourself, wouldn't you? You'd be pretty happy with that, <laughs> wouldn't you? Immediately, like, keyboards. So we're in a different universe altogether. We're in a completely different universe. Because prominent keyboards, which is something that we definitely didn't have on, like, the, the last album. Um, and where are the Where are the keyboards? Yeah, I'm genuinely... Are you joking? I'm not joking there. Okay. What is be cool about it? Oh, yeah. I totally had that as a guitar. You mean those prominent I mean the main part of the song and the first thing you hear. Yeah, I totally had that as a guitar. The voice right up front. It's kind of a huge blast of, of energy. It's at once a bop and a groove. <laughs> uh, I'm, I think it's I think it's I think it's a great opener to, to the album. Oh, it really sets the tone. We like to we like opening songs that set the tone. You've got these dark chord changes mm. that sound off and a bit sinister, but it's like a driving rock beat underneath. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think the song. And therefore, the album feels like it comes in halfway through a song with his with his vocals. Don't you agree? There's quite a few songs that do that. Yeah, mm. like you're, like you're walking in halfway through a conversation. You can force it, but and you're like, okay, oh right, we're in. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's definitely like, uh, what's the word? A statement of intent. Unless mm. someone wants to use that expression, then I use a better one. No, that was good. That Keep was great. It. Uh, you of that. like, of yeah, no. I mean, I literally put in my notes. Opens with spacey guitars. Mm. Wrong drum. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it is Kevin Spacey on the keyboards. If that oh, helps. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah uh, I I I weirdly. So obviously, my whole thing with Radiohead is I know a bunch of songs apart from the newer stuff that we know. I know it extensively, but then the older stuff, you know, it's been I know a bunch, but I don't know when it is, where it is. Yeah. In the, in, in the, uh, of course. How much in of the this tem- album did you know? In the temporal pincer movement of my <laughs> my experience of Radiohead, where I've gone at the end and now I'm going at the start yeah. and I'm going to meet in the middle. Um, yeah, obviously this is, yeah. And uh surprising amount of this album was like, oh, I know this one. Was well, because it's yeah. a classic album, mate. That's the thing. And so is <laughs> yeah. it going to be like, oh, it turns out I just know more Radiohead than I thought. Or it's, or it's I know loads from the Benz and OK Computer and nothing off Amnesiac and Kid A and the other one. Your favourite Radiohead song is from Kid A. So we're on to a pretty good good uh, start with, with that theory, I think, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I had a similar but, um, thing with you, with you as well, though. I was like... Oh, and this song, and this song's on it. I mm-hmm. mean, I knew this. Uh, this will show the big void in my Radiohead knowledge. So I've I've said a few times about how I really love Just by Radiohead, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was on the Bends. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Same. I didn't know any songs were on any album at all, apart from the ones everything on it from In Rainbows onwards. So obviously, I did the, the songs that you've mentioned. I knew were on uh, the Bends. Uh, and I guess I, how I did that was I looked at the album cover Fucking. and it said, it said Radiohead The Bends. Yeah. And then yeah, when I yeah. turned oh, it over, okay. I yeah. could see all of the names of the tracks. 
And of course, one and of, of them. Course, one of them was just. Yeah. How did I know Planet Telex was on this album? It said it at track number one. Um, in terms of like, obviously, Steve, we're, I'm just gonna, I'm bringing things back. We on need track. just need to pause oh, so I can yeah. laugh at my own jokes, and then yeah. we'll get right Quick. back on it, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting to me that Steve's Steve's obviously like, imagine you wrote Planet Telex, like this is, you know, um, one of the highest forms of art ever. Yesterday by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I think it's good, but. For this album, it's fine. I mean, I couldn't write Planet Telex. I think it's fucking no, great. No, but I, I also couldn't write... That's true. Fucking... Yeah. I couldn't write You a Stupid Ho. Like... <laughs> What's that? Could, it's a bad song by oh. someone. Oh. Um, like, I couldn't write any song. So, yeah, it's, it's good. Like, yeah, I didn't find... This isn't one of the ones that was, like, standout for me. It does have that... It does have that... Uh, Tom York sort of you can start to hear the vocals like you say that his mm. his style starting to filter in here it's got that drawliness to certain bits of it and some falsetto in bits mm-hmm. you know or at least if not falsetto going high. for higher registers. He, do, he does the yeah. high bit yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah 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 but not the I, dry bit I, I i love that the way that the, the, this this song just like speaks to me i think which which is maybe no it sings he doesn't speak he's not got any spoken I think word maybe maybe that's like obviously that's different in the way that we listen to music but this song just like I can just feel this song in my bones and I think that that's kind of also what the song is about I said that like uh, in, in the temporal context section of our general thoughts God, I fucking mm. hate this podcast I said that there is uh, an omnipresent doom that is like in the air and I think that that's what this song is about it, everything is just. It's it's in the air. It's about stuff that's in the air. And on the first episode, we talked about ecstatic truth, the things that, as a society, we we know are true, even though there's not necessarily any evidence to suggest it. Um, we talked about the underlying darkness during this like societal time of of relative ease, and you can crush it, but it's always here and it's always near and it's chasing you home. Everything is broken. This song is about something that is just like. Just something ineffable that is ingrained in the way that we live our lives in early nineties Britain and today. Like I know, it just it, it, this song feels very pervasive, and so it hits me in a pervasive way, like right in the in the inside of my chest. Also, in the second verse, you got a guitar that goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's Ed. So I mean, here's something mad, Steve. You said like imagine like writing a song. At its planet Telex, and that occurred like whenever I think of someone writing a song, they're sat down with an acoustic guitar and they're making yeah. like a little, just like two track, four track demo or whatever. This song was written and recorded by the whole band in a couple of hours. Uh, this whole song, from start to what you hear, is about four wow. hours worth of work. Um, they got drunk at a Greek restaurant and started talking about making loops. And they made a drum loop from one of their B-sides, which is called Killer Cars. Uh, Nigel had just got Sound Designer 2 on the Mac 2 FX, a personal computer that had been released in 1992. You've got to remember that all of this stuff occurs before studios are using like Pro Tools and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he, he cuts up a drum sample and has it playing live in the studio. So they all jump in the studio to kind of play along to this loop that's going on from this computer, this, to us, ancient technology. Um, yeah. Which, you know, as a rock band in 1995, 
pretty cool. Um, Johnny wrote this piano part that was processed with multiple delay effects that John Leckie is playing live through the desk. Um, Ed did that one guitar part you mentioned, Steve. The wow, yeah, yeah. wow, wow. And then at 2 a.m., John Leckie said to Tom, you better do some vocals because then it's just completely finished. And Tom, super drunk, hunched himself into a corner with a microphone and did one take, and that's it. That's the song. <laughs> oh, God. They just bashed it out. That was it. Jesus. Uh, an it, insane it, way of working. I spent such a long time thinking the lyrics of the chorus were everything ends. Rather than everything what? is, it, everything mm- ends is is I. It's everything is broken. But Every, everyone is broken. Everyone as well. Ends. Yes, yeah. yes, everything ends. I thought it was everyone ends, which I prefer. Uh, on our second episode for the Ultra Vivid Lament last month, I gave mm-hmm. Nikki Wires lyrics a pass. Now I'm doing it for Tom York. Uh, do I do that. Everyone yeah. ends. Good. I should be paid for this. On the song Reckoner by Radiohead, mm. I thought at one point he was saying, "Carry me to the water." And I preferred it so much, I used it when I found out that that's not what he said. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes, you did. <laughs> the original title and I of this played song on the drums on that was band. "Shut Up." The original okay. title <laughs> for this song was "Planet Xerox," but they couldn't use the copyrighted name uh, Xerox. Uh, do any of you know what Xerox or Telex is? It, Xerox is like a paper printing, right? Something to do with Z- paper Xerox is, is is photocopying. Well, it's it's also it's just a company. It is, it is. It's it's a copyrighted name. But if someone in America said, "Oh, can you Xerox that for me?" They'd mean photocopying, right? Oh, and, te- and Telex is what faxing. Yeah, Telex is like a proto fax machine where people would send text messages that would get printed onto the paper at the other side. Guys, remember teletext? Yeah, I'd love teletext. Do, do you ever play Te- bamboozled? I used to love, yeah, I used bamboozled. To love, I used to love you used teletext. to get like flight times on it. The weather. Oh, you know, like, like fucking bamboozled has like basically come back. Like Netflix has this like interactive trivia television series what? now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Be Look right back. Um, so instantly, though, technology and its effect on the world is a theme that we're already getting on the first song of the album, Planet yeah. Telex. Right? It's very 90s, which I also I like. Yeah, I do like it. <laughs> because yeah. I'm Ben from Blank Check and I love 90s technology. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, good song Scared. 
I mean, we don't even get to the chorus on the clip that I have to play, and it just fucks so hard. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Imagine you've written. Imagine you've written. A song. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. You've, you've, you've written a song. You take yeah. that song to your bandmates and you say, and "Hey guys, I've, I've, got, I've yeah. written a song. That song is the fucking bends." Oh my god, it's the bends this time. This time it's the bends. <laughs> this time it's not, I've written the fucking. I've written bends. Planet Telex, and now I've written the bends. <laughs> oh my Fuck god. Me. This song, man. <laughs> I mean, I was sat here thinking, like, should we do uh, a life becoming a landslide with it? Well, shall we just do like the whole song and I'll talk over it because uh, there's so many things, you know, we got to like, we got obviously to the chimes and the strings and everything in, in life becoming a landslide. Of uh, course. This is like a similar kind of fucking trajectory. It's got this like huge guitar barrage um, at, the, at the beginning, like s- similar to the previous song, but then you get that quiet first verse and then during the second verse the guitars split apart and you get all these different parts like all intertwining with each other and then the chorus is somehow even bigger and then you get another bit which is just the drums bass and the weird sounds the i wish it was the 60s bit and then the third verse has a different guitar tone altogether and then the second chorus is different to the first chorus because it doesn't have the oh no bit in it. He just holds the note. Then after the second drums anything, you think it'll do the chorus again, but it builds to an entirely new part that is insanely and incredibly euphoric. Um, I might as well play that bit as, as well. Are you playing the bridge? No, he's playing the bends, Steve. <laughs> Good. You get a new part, like uh, three minutes into a four-minute song. Oh my! Is it four minutes? I don't care. This could it's be, literally like, just only four just minutes. Disappears. Long. Yeah, my hairs are on end at that bit. That is just the the best part of that song. The yeah, that I want to breathe. I want to be part of the Cuban race. But yeah, oh, the fact oh. that you get a new guitar part or a new vocal inflection or something new for every part of the song, even if it's a repeated section, is an incredible like attention to detail. I think. Oh, just it just fucks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I love it when Adam loves the song so much yeah. that he doesn't go into like I mean he, he is being analytical, but he just says it fucks. He just goes into like Lucas mode where it's just like <laughs> pure emotion and no actual analysis. It's, I let, let's do both because the song is clearly about paranoia, uh, similar to to Planet Telex and and but. It, it's much more internalized here. It's not in the air. It's one guy questioning who his friends are, feeling the enormous pressure of authority. Um, that kind of internalized sort of stuff is, uh, I need to wash myself again to hide all the dirt and pain because I'd be scared that there's nothing underneath. And then and then the paranoia of who are my real friends. Uh, and then there's this whole like mad, almost like fantasy sequence in the verse where he's saying, where do we go from here? The planet is a gunboat in a sea of fear. They brought in the CIA, the tanks and the whole Marines to blow me away. And then, of course, there's the bit that is like, I wish it was the 60s, uh, which is like a swipe at Britpop, I think. 
Okay, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I wondered if, like... Which is why I mentioned the Beatles stuff at the top of the episode. I did wonder if it was a sarcastic lyric, uh, but more about how, like... You know, like, now we pine over the 90s. Like, oh, the 90s. Nostalgia. It's the same amount of time. It's 30 years prior. Tom definitely felt that all of this stuff, like Blur and Oasis and Ride and and all, all of this stuff was was looking back to the 60s with rose-tinted glasses and no one was moving music forward. And it's kind of like a slightly ironic, like, oh, I wish it was the 60s. I wish I could be happy. That kind but I did of, just wonder <laughs> if, uh, if 30 years is the time, like, it's always the time period of nostalgia perpetually. So is it always 30 years ago is, is, is enough time that you don't really remember it so you can be like, oh, rose-tinted, oh, the best. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, will people in 2050-something... Be looking, they'll be looking back. Oh, going, the twenties! No, no, no oh, shit. It depends oh, yeah. how shit. Hey. Depends <laughs> how the... shit twenty fifty is, man. Yes, yeah, maybe true. they'll be, uh, you know, fondly remembering the times that they could walk somewhere without getting their feet wet and you know stuff like that. Yeah, good times, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna say I'll send you a video that I watched earlier. Uh, you know the YouTuber Kirk Herzogstagt. Kurz- I can't pronounce it. No. It's basically no. called We Can Fix Fuck Climate Change. And I watched it and I was like, oh, it makes me feel like mildly good for five seconds. Oh, okay. I'll send it to you. Give it a little hit of positivity for like 10 minutes. <laughs> that would be nice, please, because my God, I'm so sad all the time. Save it for when you need it. All the time. That um, euphoric bit at the NC, but you said like, oh, that's the best bit of the song. And I think you're right because the whole song is like building to that because... The whole song is like really internalized paranoia and internalized frustration. And then the narrator, sorry, the narrator of the song (laughs) really like in that euphoric bit admits, I want to live and breathe and I want to be part of the human race. I want to engage with other people outside of this sphere that I'm that I'm trapped in. So here's my take on the song Mm -hmm. is that. So the bends is where you come up too fast from diving, right? And you get like bubbles in your blood or something. Is that right? And it, it's a bad thing. It's another name for compression sickness, which is caused yeah. by rapid changes in pressure, usually during scuba diving. And it's when the like the dissolved gases come out of solution in the bloodstream and they form bubbles and you get dizziness, confusion, fatigue, joint pain, weakness and numbness. Right. So like with lyrics about not knowing who their real friends are, being alone on an aeroplane. Like, in my head, Tom's making a parallel between rising too fast in fame and Rising too fast in the water. Yeah, right? Yes. And the numbness that that brings. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I think all of those symptoms are how Tom York felt about the band's situation at the time. And I think yeah. that is what kind of the whole album is a little bit about, is the isolation and the alienation he felt from becoming very famous way too quickly. Did did they become famous that quickly? Like, was Pablo Honey that they they, they weren't Arctic Monkeys? Creep right? was they didn't, though. They didn't become the biggest band in the world after one single. Creep one was album. one of the biggest songs in the world for sure. Oh, fair enough. Originally, there was another layer, which is that it was a car pun because it was the Benz with a Z, B E N Z, like Mercedes Benz. Another I- sort of like little injection of of technology and and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't call it that. Ultimately, yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, like, I do just also love the lyric. My baby's got the bends. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, but then the second time he does it, when he just holds the word bends, 
Uh, yes, uh, that bit is my. Lucas, what did you think of this song? Did it did it hit you right in your nipples? It didn't hit me as hard as so far. The two songs did not hit me as hard as you two, and I don't mean the band. The band, because the next one sounds a bit like you two. Uh, <laughs> as much as you guy, you, the the pair of you, <laughs> pair as the pair of the you. Band. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start a U2 tribute act called The Pair of You. <laughs> <laughs> you dudes. Um, but yes, good, great, or even. Great. But not, but not... Um, Six out not, of ten. Not, <laughs> the, uh, it doesn't hit me as hard as you guys. We're, we're very emotional beings though, Lucas. But it also it is like, it is closer to a guitar rock song than a number of the other things on this album. Now it's yeah. an in, it's a far more interesting guitar rock song, substantially more interesting than Pablo Honey. Mm-hmm. But it's still I'm kind of I'm still just like I'm looking for where they start trickling down into what I know they sound like later. Is the thing I'm there's bits of body snatches and stuff in here, especially in the vocals. Um, but you did say on the last album, like in in terms of comparing it to like something we covered before which is early muse there wasn't a load of riffs on pablo honey now there's fucking loads of riffs not only just in this album but in this song it's chock a block of riffs lucas chock a block of riffer <laughs> <laughs> there's your t-shirt yeah i mean i guess when we get to my my bests and worst you'll kind of i think it kind of becomes then clear of what i'm looking for in my radio head interesting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and this yeah. isn't necessarily what i'm looking for in my radio head but it's not to say it's a, not a good song because it is it's just not the radio head that i you're looking for your 11 four drum loops yeah yeah exactly mm. <laughs> I, I think i think that the thing about what you're looking for in Radiohead that may well be contained to one album because they are famously a band that change what they do on pretty much every album. Yeah, but I also really like Yeah. King of Limbs. Wait. Yeah. No, the other one. Yeah. What's the new one called? No, King you like Limbs. all of them. You like all Moonshape of them. Moonshape Pools. That's, that's it. Moonshape Pool, not King of Limbs. King of Limbs, I was more medium on. Okay. It is quite a clever mood to end soft on this song. You get a couple of lines of just Tom and guitar. When he's like, where do we go from here? The words coming out all weird. Where are you now? When I need you. And that's how the song ends. Because the next couple of songs are also much softer. So I think it's a clever move to kind of take this song and make it soft before we go into the, the softer songs. It happens a couple of times in this album where the next songs just absolutely have to exist for the songs after it to mm-hmm. exist. The sequencing on this album, Steve... Very good. No, don't say sequencing. <laughs> See what I said, which was this song had to exist. Right, so, so that another so, yeah. song could exist, so that song could exist. Do you know what? I'm just going to say sequencing, Steve. It's, just it's a, not so, as good. Though, I'm pretty sure it? not even you repeated it the same might, way you did. Might the be first shorter. Time. Uh, something that Adam won't remotely be able to relate to here, but Steve will. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, is whenever I hear the line, where do we go from here? It's ruined for me because I just hear... Where do we go from here? I then just hear, turn all the lights down now. (laughs) Every time. It's a Blink-182 song, Adam. It's Blink-182 song, I've heard the song. I didn't know it was Blink-182 because uh, I I don't listen to shit music. 
Well, you do. Yeah, I do. You do, though, don't you? It's not so Radiohead, you do listen to some shit. Yeah, I mean, just, just, by, just by sheer numbers, you listen to so much music that you must listen to some shit music. I do listen to music that I don't like, so it must be, yeah. You're such like, a by the... different person to me sometimes. Yeah, I know. You're such an odd man. No, no, no. Hang on. That's not odd. That's not odd. Because if you listen to the album, if you listen to an album for the first time, there's no way you can tell if you like it or not. So I come out the other end of that album not liking it, which means I've listened to something I don't like. Yeah, or you just do what I do, Adam. Only don't listen, to, listen to music that you know and yeah, makes you comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until some bastard makes you do a podcast for three fucking years. Stop the episode there. Oh, you've really stopped it in its tracks, Lucas. Ooh, whoa. You've Stop stopped the episode it there. Tra- what have you stopped it for, Lucas? I don't want any more. I just, I'm, I, I, I'm fed up. You just physically can't take it. I don't want it. I want us to stop the episode. I want us to read an email. Well, hang on. Well, okay. Do well, the sign off. I was going to say. Do all your say. fucking bollocks. Yeah. I don't know why at this point you haven't just recorded one time <laughs> Mate, and then you just drop it in every time. You and me you both, do it every. I, I become super aware <laughs> of it when you guys are just sat there watching me do it. Yeah. But that's that's it, <laughs> Just record it, mate. And do you then know just what? Drop it on in. the next one, Steve's going to do it. Okay. That's what we're going to do. Fine. That's what we're going to do. I've tried it before, haven't I? And I didn't do very well. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Here's a uh, here's an email from uh, Annie Stofferan. Now, this is a bit of a self self aggrandizing email, but here we go. Uh, hi, big mates. I know you're on your Billie Eilish season now, but I'm a huge Muse fan and found you guys several weeks ago and I've been really enjoying listening to the Muse season. Also looking forward to going back to listen to the first season and then catching up on Billie, although you'll probably be on your fifth season or so by the time that I get there. So I happened to look at Dom's Spotify profile today and thought that his recently played artists were pretty interesting. Mm. See attached pick. Not sure if you already know about this, but I was excited seeing it and wanted to pass it along, along with congrats to Adam. Also, I feel like this means that he at least knows about the podcast, right? I wonder if he's listened. Thanks for the content and take good care. So they've sent a picture of Dom Howard's Spotify uh, history. And my music is in there. Yeah, yeah. So that's odd, isn't it? So that. So Dom Howard has been listening to my music, which he must have found through through the. I mean, there's no reason for him to find it any other way. Well, maybe. Yeah. So there must have been a connection there, right? Mm. I mean, there's also the fact that uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, Tom Kirk reached out on Twitter to ask what was that Muse podcast that was happening recently? And, uh, you know, very graciously, a few uh, few of the replies tagged us and were like, well, that's the What Is Music podcast. Mm. So, so we've got the Tom Kirk tweet. And we've got the people replying with us. And we've got the fact that, that Dom Howard, the drummer of Muse, has been listening to my music, which he must have connected through the podcast about his band. Are we going to get Muse on the podcast? Hey, man. Probably not. You might. I mean, as much as I'd love to... As much as I'd love to say yes, I... Probably not. <laughs> I, yeah, but, though, that's a lot of... It's a lot of stuff, right? No? But, though. But, though. But though, but though, but though, all of that stuff that we've heard today, 
and the stuff that we talked about and we discussed and we discussed and we talked about it and we mm. heard it and talked about it and discussed it was that would you consider that to be music it's at least uh, one third of an album of music I 100% doubt that it's one third Steve <laughs> Of, I mean, I don't know, uh, yeah, it's one, but I really uh, doubt third. we managed to cover four <laughs> tracks. <laughs> one third of a okay. podcast covering this album about music. Okay. Yes. Uh, Lucas, what do, you, what do you reckon? You reckon you must think it's music? You must think it's music? Yes. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. Join us next week when we continue uh, our interminable coverage <laughs> of the Benz. Um, in between then, come and talk to us. Let us know what you think of the Benz uh, and, and how you like it and how you liked this episode. Tell us all what... Uh, I mean, we really want to know what you think about Steve. But do it, because we love hearing from you all. And you can find us on Twitter, at WhatIsMusicPod, Instagram, at WhatIsMusicPod, TikTok, at WhatIsMusic. And if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer, or maybe have us read it out on the show, you can email us, WhatIsMusicPod, at gmail.com. There's also a couple of ways that you could support <laughs> us other than listening oh, if yeah. you'd like to. Is. One is to buy our merchandise. If you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com, you'll find some stupid designs and one cool one. And we'll have some Radiohead-specific stuff up now, I imagine. I'll see hundreds of people wearing the Fat Ugly Dead t-shirt um if you don't fancy that that's fine if you'd like to just chuck us a couple of quid you can go to coffee.com which is ko-fi.com slash what is music all donations go towards our running costs and are incredibly gratefully received that about does it thank you again for listening but before you go please listeners don't leave me hi don't leave me bye bye coming out